she just unfortunately found herself pregnant and um, she never told Paul, my biological dad. She says she never told anyone. And I, and I tend to believe her. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 155, and I am getting very excited for the Untangling Our Roots Summit, which will be coming up at the end of March 2023. It will be held in Louisville, Kentucky, and it will be the first ever summit for NPEs, adoptees, and the assisted reproductive communities to all come together for a couple of days of healing and speakers. And we will even have laughter. I think there's going to be a donor-conceived comic there as well. And music from Corey Goodrich, our fellow NPE, and fellowship. So I'm really excited for it. I will be speaking there along with other podcasters. I will be speaking there on, I believe, Saturday, April 1st in the morning. But the conference does start Friday, March 31st, and you can go to the website or Google Untangling Our Roots, or perhaps you will find them on Facebook as well for more information. And today we are listening to an NPE share her story. Today I am speaking with Beth. Hi, Beth. Hi, Lily. Thanks for giving me the chance to come on. Absolutely. I appreciate this so much. And I know um, you've probably been listening for about a year. Is that when I first got in, we got in touch? Maybe last year? Yeah, it's been a little over a year since I found out. Oh, and that so you contacted right when you had found out? Yeah. Well, probably a month after. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you so much for doing this today. I'm going to pass it over to you. And if you can, wherever you want to start, maybe you start with your family of origin, let us know who was in that and, and we'll take it from there. Okay. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> I grew up on the East coast. I have one younger brother and one younger sister. I grew up in a pretty average 1970s family. Um, my dad was a teacher. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I say it was pretty average. The only the only thing that kind of stands out to me now is that there was a lot of drinking um, that happened. Um, my dad was the part of a, of a of a staff of teachers. They had a lot of parties, and they were at our house, and um, that that is kind of a significant part of my story. When I was 12, um, my parents divorced. Um, My dad remarried three months later, and I didn't really, from then on, didn't really have much of a relationship with him. Um, He, as I said, he remarried and his new wife tried, but she didn't really, she didn't have kids and she 
was up against three angry preteens. So she didn't really um, have much of a chance with us. But um, anyway, we didn't uh, see him very often. Uh, We had weekends with him and sometimes we'd have dinner. But again, it wasn't much of a relationship. I always say, you know, he never, ever said one bad word about my mom, which I, you know, later in life really grew to respect him for that. Um, She was not, on the other hand, as kind Um, as an adult. I get it. But she really kind of formed how we, um, myself and my siblings, sort of viewed him growing up after that. Um. His drinking continued um, when I was in college and when I was a young adult, I had to set the boundary of don't call me anymore if it's after noon, I'm not going to answer the phone. And this was kind of like what my relationship with my dad was for many, many years. Um, He came to our family events, but he respected our wishes and didn't drink around us. It was very uh, much of a surface relationship. Eight years ago, uh, he had a stroke. He was 70. He had a stroke and that kind of changed everything. So from that moment on, he had no alcohol, no cigarettes, no, not even coffee. He's very proud of himself for that. Um, and it changed him. He lives with me for eight months. And this was the first time I had lived with my dad since I was 12. And it was the first time I had lived with my dad sober, ever known my dad sober. So it was kind of like, I had the dad that I always wished for, like this amazing, gentle, kind and loving man kind of came out. And we still, my brother and sister and I say, where has this guy been all our lives? Right. Um, so that's kind of the background. Um, I have a very close family, which I'm very grateful for. And I've always been very interested in genealogy. Um, when I was getting my master's degree in, in college, um, part of a class that I took, um, I had to do genealogy and research my family. And I found all the way back to the first three people on my dad's side that came to the country. And it was just, it's always been kind of a fascination of mine. So when the 23andMe started coming out and everyone was hearing about these, I kept saying, oh, I really want to do this. I really want to do this. It was just so you know interesting to me. And um, I have two children who are young adults and they have both done it. Um, and I obviously looked at it, but didn't really see anything amiss. So we just all were very fascinated with with that. A little over a year ago, I guess it was uh, in December of 2021, I was at my mom's. Um, and I had talked about wanting to do 23andMe here and there and, and you know, whatever. Everybody kind of knew that I was interested in it. And I must have mentioned it again. And as I was leaving her house and, you know, at the time she was 76, sometimes she says stuff and you just kind of, whatever, you don't pay attention or you just don't, I don't know. And she said to me, when I was pregnant with you, I just prayed, I prayed and prayed that you would look like me. And I was so relieved when you did. And I, I don't know why I, I just said, you know, whatever I said to her. And then I left and I got in my car and I sat down and I said, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I probably said some some different words than that. Like, what the? <clears throat> but anyway, um, like, what, what does that mean? So I'm literally sitting in my mom's driveway and I called my sister and I told her this and she was like, oh my God. <laughs> she was like, all right, I guess we need to buy some, some tests. So she ordered the tests. Um, we didn't tell anybody else in the family. I just thought 
that, that, you know, this is just another thing probably that, you know, mom said and whatever. We didn't talk to anyone about it. We just ordered the tests and um, we got them and she did hers first. And for some reason, I just put mine off for a couple of days. I don't, I don't know. I just was procrastinating about it. So from the time my mom said this weird thing to we, when we got the, um, the test results back, I had about four weeks to kind of let this simmer, which in a way, I think it was, it was obviously excruciating waiting, but at the same time I had all this time. And during that time, I would just, every once in a while, I would look at my husband and I would go, my dad might not be my dad. Like, so I think me continuing to say that, even though he was convinced, honey, that's, you look like your dad. There's no way like, you know, you, you, that this is just, you're going to be surprised. It's not okay. Okay. You know, and I, and I heard listening to all the podcasts I hear, I hear people say all the time, you know, I, I always knew something was off. I knew, you know, I always wondered what was different about me. I don't look like anyone. That was not my experience at all. Like, um, my, my younger brother and sister are very close in age. So there was that. I think that that was the reason why I felt so different than them. Everyone thought they were twins, but I really did look very much like my mother. So there was never in a million years a question of, of this. So my sister gets her test back first because she sent it in first. And she called me. She said, guess what? Your kids are showing up on my tree. And she was all happy, you know, thinking that that was the end of it. And I said, well, let's think about this for a minute. My kids are going to show up on your tree. <laughs> but, you know, what does, and of course, neither of us knew anything about, about this. And she, then we hung up and she texted me back and she said, why, why are your kids showing up as my, my grand, grand niece and grand, great niece and great nephew. And I was like, well, I'm no expert, but it says here that you're supposed to have 25% DNA match. And both of them had 12 and 13. And I said, well, <laughs> sounds like half to me. So I kind of, you know, that was just another nail in the coffin for me. Like, okay, this is probably going to turn out to be true. So two days later, I was still in bed and I got a text from her and it just said, OMG in all capital letters. And I opened up my 23andMe and there it was her name and it said half sister. And I think because I had had so much time to kind of think about it, it, it just, I still, at this point, I still had not cried. I still was just kind of going along in this mode of let's figure this out. And then I just wanted answers. Um, and I knew I needed to talk to my mom. I live about two hours away from the rest of my family, but I knew that this was something I wanted to do face to face. So this was, I think, on a Friday. And of, of course, that Saturday I could have gone, but there was like a big snowstorm or something. So um, I had to wait until Sunday. And I we said to my brother, I need to come to your house on Sunday. You have to be there. I have to talk to you. And it was one of those things like, I can't tell you what it is because it has to be face to face. I'm not, nothing's wrong. I'm not sick. It's nothing, but I just need to. So kind of built it up. And then we went to his house and and told him. And he literally just stared at the floor for about a full minute. And we both just sat there and let him think. And then he did what everyone else does and said, well, it can't be right. There has to be a mistake that who knows how accurate these tests are. And blah, blah, blah. And I, I let him say that. And I said, it, it's easy to want to go there, but it, it's right. It's right. So <clears throat> that same day I left there and I went to my mom's and, and 
everyone has such different reactions. All I could think this whole time was my mom has been carrying this around for 55 years. I was 55 when I found out my mom has been carrying, carrying this around for 55 years. She was 20 years old when she was pregnant with me. I can't believe that, you know, this kind of explains a lot, maybe, of some of the things that she's gone through in her life. Um, I just had a lot of compassion for that 20-year-old woman who, you know, was in this predicament in 1966. So, um, and I will say, I went over to uh, speak to her, and one thing that I thought of, and I'm glad I did, was I recorded it with my phone. I didn't tell her, which was sneaky, I know, but I did record it mostly because, and I've never let anyone listen to it except for my husband, but mostly because I wanted, I knew I wasn't going to be paying as close attention as I wanted. And I wanted to make sure I remembered everything that she said. So I would highly recommend that to people. Um, and I've heard other people say that too. Um, yeah, for me, that was just helpful. It wasn't with the purpose of sharing it with anyone else, but just so that I could have it. So I went over completely prepared to forgive her and, you know, tell her I'd have done the same thing because I really believe that. And I didn't blame her. And I had listened to a bunch of the podcasts. So I knew that there were lots of different reactions that people have when they're confronted with this kind of information. So I wasn't really sure what to expect. But, um, I just said to her, you know, I love you very much. I have something to talk to you about. I, I love you no matter what. And she was just looking at me going, okay. And um, I said, you know, we did this test and we're half sisters. And she just went, she just put her head down and went, oh. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, she's not going to lie to me. <laughs> you know, she's going to, I said, and I don't remember exactly how the conversation was went, but, you know, she told me his name. Um, I'll call him Paul. Um, we looked him up. Um, he had passed away in 2019, um, which I have very mixed feelings about in some ways that makes it much easier for me. Um, in some ways, obviously it doesn't. Um, but apparently she worked with him. He was her boss um, as well. He, she worked with him and his fiance at the time. And she, my mom was also engaged and, you know, something that happened 55 years ago, she was like, you know, I, well, I had heard my girlfriends were telling me that your father was messing around with on me up at college. And, you know, she was trying to explain herself and I was like, it's okay, it's okay mom. I mean, I, I, I know everyone has different feelings. Personally, I feel like, you know, how many people do something like this before they get married when they're young and not thinking and, and there are no repercussions. Like I don't blame her at all for what she did. Um, she just unfortunately found herself pregnant and um, she never told Paul, my biological dad, she says she never told anyone. And I, and I tend to believe her. Um, she actually went to his wedding seven months pregnant with me, <laughs> which is, I'm not really sure how she kind of got up the nerve to do that, but she did. Um, so we had a we talked a little about it and then she looked at me and this, you know, I know you'll relate hearing lots and lots of, I think it's just generational, these women from this age. And she said, well, now that, you know, I hope you can just let it go. And I just went, mom, 
It doesn't work like that. Now that I know, I get to be the one that makes the decisions. And she has been very, she doesn't like it. I know she doesn't like it, but she also knows she can't really say anything about it. You know, like it's out. She didn't want me to tell my brother and sister. I said, it's too late. She didn't want me to contact, you know, Paul's family. I said, I'm doing that. You know, I'm sorry that you're going to be embarrassed. I'm sorry. This is something that happened a long time ago, but I have to do this. And she's been, she's been very, you know, she kind of like let it go. And she knows that she doesn't really have anything to say. I will say though, and one of the reasons why I'm keeping this semi anonymous is because I will not tell my father. I, and I, again, I know that everybody has different, I've talked to lots of people who are not talked to, but seen lots of people um, on the forums and, and heard stories who choose differently. I feel this is very, very personal, but personally, this would kill my father. And, you know, going back to, I finally got him eight years ago as, you know, the dad that I always was waiting for. And then this, it just felt like such a cruel joke, you know, like this cruel, cruel thing, which, so it just makes it even so much more bittersweet when I'm around him. I had to take him to the hospital the other day for a, for a brief procedure. And, and every person that said, are you his daughter? <laughs> you know, it, it just, um, yeah. So anyway, it would kill him. And I have just made the decision. I've thought about it. I've, I really felt like I had to be fair and think, think it through. Like, should I tell him? But every time I just, I, there, I, I can't come up with a reason to. So that's where we are with that. Um, so uh, since finding out, uh, one of the first things I did was tell everyone, <laughs> because first of all, I do, I live two, two hours away from, from my hometown and my family, but that's just how I am. That was what I wanted to do. I was telling everyone, all the people around me in my life here, um, people at the grocery store, because that was safe. <laughs> if I struck up a small conversation and there was any opportunity for me to say, oh yeah, well, you want to hear this? Listen to what happened to me. <laughs> I, I remember being actually um, at a, my husband is a musician. We were at a bar where he was playing and I was talking to these girls that I didn't know from anywhere. And so I told them, cause I just thought, I need to tell somebody. That's just how I process. I think I tell people over and over again. So I turned off my results on 23andMe because uh, obviously there's this other family and I didn't want to let the cat out of the bag before I figured out anything. Um, I, again, have listened to the stories and I know some people jump right in and some people think about it. I was the kind of person that I was just really afraid. I didn't know what to do with this information. Um, as soon as I had a name, I did all the stalking, <laughs> all the social media, looking up obituaries, trying to piece things together. I had names of family and, you know, um, I have a half brother who had done some stuff on ancestry so I could see a little bit of that. Um, but I was really, really unsure of how to proceed. I, I have two half brothers. One of them passed away very sadly in 2017. Um, but the other one who I'll call Rob is, uh, very much alive. Um, but I just kept thinking like, this is devastating to me. I don't know if this guy is going to even want to know anything about me. You know, I've heard enough of the stories on the podcast. You know, some people are very well received and some people are not. And I just, it was so devastating to my family. I couldn't imagine doing that to another family 
but I also wanted health information. Um, you know, my dad that I grew up with has has had some pretty significant health issues, and I had to go and change all my all my medical records. Um, so, um, in my googling, um, I looked up. Uh, Paul had two brothers who are both still living. Um, I chose an uncle who I'll call Gary, who's 80. Actually, now I guess he's probably 81. Um, and he is still working. And I found the website for where he works. And I saw his picture and he looked like a really nice man. <laughs> so I thought, you know what, I'm going to call him because I just didn't feel comfortable calling the half brother Rob and just, you know, throwing all this up at him. So I very nervously on a Sunday called his work number, not really knowing what to expect. And he actually answered the phone at which I found out later was it was in his office. We were still under some COVID restrictions. So he wasn't in his office very often, but he was there on a Sunday and the phone rang and he said, normally I wouldn't have answered it, but I went ahead and answered it. So, you know, it was kind of a laughable call, though, because you know how nervous you are when you do this. And my phone kept dropping. I have not great reception. And I thought this guy is going to think I'm whack. <laughs> I just I felt so silly. Um, but we finally kind of got it got he got the gist of what I was saying. He was very kind, but he was very guarded, which I understand. He, uh, he wouldn't give me much information. Um, and he said, let me think on this and I'll get back to you. So we communicated mostly through email and gosh, that was just waiting was just so excruciating and he took his good old time. <laughs> but when he got back to me, he wanted to do a private DNA test. And I said, that's fine. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll pay for it. Cause he lives in another state very far away. He said he found a place where we could both go in our area. And he said, I'll pay for it. If it turns out you're my niece it's fine. If, if you're not, I'm going to ask you for half of it. I said, that's fair. That's fine. So, you know, we went, we made this appointment. So more waiting. We made this appointment. We went, I had to take my mom with me because it, it, it was that kind of a specific test. And we had this done and the results got messed up somehow. So we had to actually do it all over again. I mean, everyone listening, you know, how, how this, this waiting is just horrible. And I had to wait even longer. So I finally, um, about mid-April, I got uh, an email from him and it was titled, Welcome to the Family, <laughs> uh, which made me feel really good because I really, he was so guarded and I, and I just wasn't really sure how these, and I still at this point, we hadn't really talked about what was going to happen if once he found out I was related to him and I didn't know if he wanted to tell my half-brother Rob and I just, it was really all the, he held all the cards. Um, but I, you know, had all this time and I thought if, if, if he doesn't want me to contact my half brother, I know that Paul, my bio dad has a widow, not, it was his second wife. So not Rob's mom, but I had a second wife who's still living. And I thought, you know, if he doesn't want to give me any information, I'm willing to call her. So I kind of had a backup plan. Um, but <clears throat> when we talked finally, um, my uncle Gary, um, he said, you know, he did want to tell Rob, but he wanted to be the one to tell him. He wanted to be the one to tell everyone in the family, which I was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> so he took his time doing that, which was fine. Um, but finally he did talk to Rob and Rob said that he wanted to meet me, which I was very 
grateful and then also scared and not really sure um, how that was going to pan out. But um, we he lives across the country from me. Um, I'm hoping to see him this summer. Um, we've spoken several times on the phone. We've done a couple of FaceTime calls. Um, and the first time he he talked to me on the phone, he said, hey, sis, <laughs> which, you know, and everybody knows just having that little bit of acceptance, it just, it made me feel really, really good. And he refers to like our dad, which is really weird because having a dad who is alive, who I love dearly, um, you know, I feel like I'm betraying him a little bit, but, um, which is why I said in the beginning, you know, there is some, uh, blessing to the fact that he's not alive anymore because I think that would make it even more emotionally hard for me. But, um, and the best part, you know, when I, when I first found these people and I was stalking them, I was saying, you know, I was looking just, does anybody look like me? Does anybody look like me? And I couldn't really see anything in anybody that I felt looked like me. Um, but then there was a place where, I mean, I'm showing this to you, but um, I had a kindergarten picture um, up on my Facebook as my profile picture because of all the stuff that had happened. I was honoring my little girl self and I had, and my Rob's wife sent me a picture of their son at the same age and it's uncanny. And that made me cry. <laughs> that made me, I've never looked like anyone besides my mom. I do look very much like my mom, but I've never looked that much like anyone else. So that was really, that was really just made me feel really good. So sort of since then, it's just kind of, you know, there's this time when everything happens and it's so exciting, but it's just kind of now everyone's just kind of accepted it. I don't, speak a whole lot to Gary. He, and not, it. I just think, you know, these people have this established family and they're not a very close family. I, I do know that. So at least I don't feel like they're all talking to each other and not me. I don't think they talk to each other very much. So, um, but I did uh, get to go meet uh, Paul's second wife. I'll call her Amy. She lives at only a few hours from me. And when she found out about me, she was very excited because he died only a few years ago. And of course, she's still grieving him and she was married to him for 25 years. So I actually went to visit her, which was really, really emotional. Um, and I had said to her, I would really like something of his. It doesn't have to be anything valuable or, or anything. Just I just want something of his. And she gave me his wallet, <laughs> which I felt was perfect because, you know, a man carries his wallet with him every day of his life, you know? So it's, it's, it's on a place in, in my room where I look at it every day. And I was able, she actually gave me his jacket to put on. And that was that I just sobbed, sobbed wearing that. Um, but that's pretty much, I think as close as I'm going to get, um, you know, I think Amy has been really open to continuing a relationship with me. And so is Rob, but he's, he's younger than I am. And he has a younger family and he's very busy. He's got a very busy job. And, and I've told him it's okay. As long as, you know, you, you know, I'm here and we know, you know, we have each other. I, I'm okay with that. I understand. So 
there's been sort of minimal communication and contact, but that's okay. I'm very close to my original family. I, I don't even like calling them that. Um, and they have been so accepting and understanding of this whole situation. It's brought my siblings and I much closer. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm just kind of in this place. I, I think I said I'm hoping to go and meet my sibling, my half-sibling this summer. Um, my children know about this. And I, and I did turn off all of my... Uh, ancestry. I'd ended up doing ancestry also, but I turned off ancestry and 23andMe. So I don't show up there just, I don't know, just for now. I just, but I told my children, uh, it's okay. You, you leave yours on and someday you may connect with people that you don't know, but this is why. <laughs> so, uh, I hope that wasn't too rambling. <laughs> no. Oh, thank you so much, Beth. And I know that We'll keep your privacy, um, we'll respect your privacy, but you said that you would be interested in letting people reach out to you through me, through contacting the show, and I could forward, I could forward any, um, any questions or supportive comments your way. Are you okay yeah, with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if the, if anyone has anything for Beth, they can email npestories at gmail.com. And thank you so much for sharing your story today. It was um, absolutely wonderful to listen to you. Thank you, Lily. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us. Mm-hmm.